Hello everyone, my name is Jeff Hancock and welcome to the CoinPass podcast where we talk about crypto, blockchain, trading and investing. And today we've got a really special guest and a really special topic to talk about is DeFi. And my guest is coming from today, he's from the MakerDAO organization facilitating the development of the MakerDAO governance and MakerDAI protocol. MakerDAO is uh, and DAI is the first is the world's first decentralized collateral backed stablecoin stable coin on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, DAI mitigates volatility through the anonymous system of smart contracts and the Maker protocol through decentralized community governments. Uh, from MakerDAO, joining me today is Gustav uh, Arendtoff. Uh, Gustav, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Joe. No, it's great to have you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about obviously a very, very big topic today. You know, uh, can DeFi uh, create crypto adoption better than Bitcoin? Um, I mean, first of all, how did you kind of get involved in crypto in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, the first time I played around with, with Bitcoin, mostly just from like a technical interest was, was way back in, in 2013, but I really didn't really have an, an economic interest in it back then. And, and I, you know, I, I certainly didn't really, you know, take it further. Mm. Uh, you know, if we flash forward a few years, then uh, I found myself uh, living and working in Argentina. Uh, I worked as a, like doing business development and consulting for a software development shop out there. Um, working between New York and Buenos Aires, uh, but like my salary was in pesos. So uh, completely random, uh, one of my, my best friends I, I, I met, uh, he, uh, he was running a crypto OTC and mining operation. Uh, so that kind of like kickstarted me back into, you know, the, the realm of crypto. Uh, back then, uh, the, the kind of like people I hung around with, the crypto people I hung around with was, uh, you know, more like the money focused uh, mm. kind of would say, you know, it was, a lot of Bitcoin, Litecoin, and, and, and sort of that, that kind of realm. Uh, you know, one day, uh, one of my my former colleagues, who is also one of my my colleagues today, uh, Nadia, she came to me and told me she got offered a new job. It was uh, from a Danish company called called Maker, and they paid in Dai, uh, and uh, that of course sounded very very appealing. So I, I applied, uh, met the team in New York, and then you know. Within the next three months, then after being having lived in Argentina for almost a year and a half, and I actually really enjoyed it, I was on my way back home to Copenhagen uh, to to join the the headquarters uh, here in in Copenhagen. So that kind of like uh, took me from you know being part of this like OTC you know Bitcoin community a little bit in Argentina to really you know working for for an, a very Ethereum focused project, and it it suited me very very well because it was a lot of the the stuff that I found very interesting. And my my old job was you know doing uh, consulting services for some of these, you know, tech projects, and, mm. and you know, I feel like I can apply a lot of the same kind of like techniques and style to how we work with our our business relationships mm. in, in Maker. Uh, so now I'm 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 you know managing the European business development uh, at, at Maker, and last year I helped set up a lot of our departments and business projects in, in Southeast Asia and East Asia. I suppose that's a really interesting point as well. I mean, with, you know, going from that you know, OTC kind of Bitcoin market, very money focused onto something like, you know, what Maker is doing, uh, not, not only in the DeFi space, but also the traditional finance space. I mean, the, the scope is so wide with the kind of customers yep. and clients you're kind of attracting. So just for people that maybe are tuning in for the first time and, and maybe don't know enough, you know, what specifically uh, MakerDAO and DAI uh, to do with kind of the DeFi ecosystem? <laughs> Yeah, so I think uh, you, a lot of people they kind of like say that we we were the ones who who like were you know we you know were born uh, as part of like the, the first real Ethereum DeFi project. Mm -hmm. uh, we we took and and used the blockchain and, and you know the smart contracts which is enabled by Ethereum uh, to create uh, you know a financial platform. 
where you can basically uh, lock up assets uh, or collateralize them uh, and then draw die against them. Uh, and and that's something that you know uh, is is you know very basic finance on the blockchain, right? You know we it's very uh, similar and analogous to a mortgage. You know a mortgage you post your house as collateral with the bank, and the bank will give you a loan depending on the, the value of your house. Uh, we have a very similar system where you know you post collateral. It's always over collateralized, so you know you you, you deposit into a smart contract. The smart contract will lock it, and you can draw die against it. Uh, and the only way to release your assets again is by repaying your your debt obligation, right? Yeah. So in that sense, we've really started having the system here and, and uh, what the system was, was built to was to really build, you know, a completely unbiased uh, stablecoin, a decentralized stablecoin. So, you know, some of the other stablecoin models you see like Tether and USDC, they operate from this IOU model. So, you know, mm -hmm. you deposit, you know, dollars into a bank account and they, they will issue a certificate on the blockchain that represents the, the, the dollar that, that is, sits in the bank account, right? Uh, our our system, we have all the value locked on chain, completely transparent. Mm. You know, you can go in and verify the system at any given moment. Uh, you, we started out only having Ethereum as collateral, and now we are we are around 10, 10 different collateral types. Still, mostly crypto collateral, only crypto collateral, except that we also have USDC and and, and a few other stable coins in there. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited for is that we are looking at onboarding. The community is looking at onboarding, uh, you know, traditional assets or so like real world assets, such as like wow. invoices security tokens, real estate, and so on. So you can imagine like in the future, we really want to be this, you know, like transparent, you know, blockchain-based finance platform where you can come with everything from, you know, security tokens that represents bonds, stocks, you know, real estate to crypto assets. And you can, you can, you know, draw die this unbiased mm -hmm. currency against all of it. And I'll use that term that I'm unbiased currency. You're not looking at someone's um, uh, where they're from, where they're jurisdictioned, uh, you know, what's their age, what's their bank account, you know, the, the, yep. and it literally puts everyone on the same playing field. And I think that's probably yeah, exactly. what I've gotten the most out of my, I suppose, you know, my, my career shift from, you know, being traditional tech, uh, you know, into working for hedge funds, into working in, in the crypto space, is that, you know, there are people building stuff right now, which is brand new or rebuilding the old infrastructure of the, the old legacy system systems onto stuff like Ethereum, uh, you know, using DAI, using your kind of networks and protocols. Uh, and it is an even playing field. You are teaching you know, old dogs new tricks, but you kind of can't be, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, you can't kind of be you know, ostracized about being experienced enough because it's new to everyone, right? And um, yep. you do have that literally a global reach uh, from however you kind of integrate, integrate with that protocol. Um, and I suppose with that, with that you know, um, how do you think with uh, when you got started with, with makeup? And you know, uh, seeing not just a maker and your own protocol develop, but I suppose the entire ecosystem develop and being you know a very very key part of that. How have you seen the, the DeFi ecosystem mature um, over the last kind of 12, 24 months, and you know, is that leading to its own kind of uh, DeFi bubble? Uh, I mean, I think um, just just to like uh, to, to touch a little bit upon what you mentioned uh, initially, right? Which I think is like the the, the like the value proposition of, of DeFi, right, is that like it is unbiased. Um, mm. So what DeFi really enables is that you have created this global infrastructure, this global ecosystem that anyone anywhere in the world can access on equal terms, right? Mm. You know, like traditional finance is very biased. It's biased against things such as religion, current location, origin, uh, you know, financial situation, you know, uh, usually, what you've done in the last... opportunity as well, where, where you've come yeah, from, yeah. where you're going to. So if you don't come from yeah, exactly. any sort of wealth or prove your address or any yeah. of that stuff, you're usually excluded from quite a lot. 
Yeah. And, and, and you can, you can imagine that, you know, if, if you have a system like, like that, you know, like we, we don't like DeFi doesn't discriminate. Right. So it doesn't care, you know, where you're from. Like if, if, you know, me in Denmark and you in the UK or someone in South Africa or Argentina, where I used to be, right. I mean, if they, if they come with the same asset types, you know, they should get the same parameters, the same conditions. Right. So if we kind of like take that as like the, the value proposition and, and like, like the, at the same time, also actually the mission statement to be able to provide these things on equal terms to everyone in the world uh, and then you you look at like what has been happening over the, like the last uh, you know 12 to 24 months i mean if we go 24 months back i mean the the term De defi didn't even exist yet right mm, exactly. so actually actually it started like originating really in like early 2019 uh, around january I'm, I'm not sure who said it first or uh, i think there's some different op opinions on on that one but but anyways you know that that was really when when it came out and it really started with you know like makers setting up the foundation for a, a, a protocol like compound which was you know mm. uh, the first really on-chain completely transparent peer-to-peer -peer lending market really coming out right and then if you flash forward to today where you have like advanced synthetic derivatives pro protocols like synthetics you have compound as well still of course you have you know some of these like uh, you know more newcomers you could say like Aave, for example which is a very old project actually previously ethland uh, but their their other protocol is is only nine months old and you know they they have managed to get an incredible amount of traction you know huge kudos to that that team there um, and then we have seen in the last you know month or something where this whole new concept of yield farming has mm -hmm. coming out where you know you basically distribute uh, you know the protocol tokens to users of the protocol so I think like the, the, the progression here has been incredible, right? And I think some of the key, uh, you know, advances that I want to highlight uh, is definitely, you know, yield farming as an incentive, like liquidity incentive has been proven to be incredibly useful, a very, very strong way of getting users into the protocol, right? So, you know, basically, you know, you, you, you give people, you know, your project tokens so like the equivalent to your, your project's equity, something like that, right? And you give it for you then, Give it to them for using it and then i think another another one which i really really like is these uh, liquidity pools like uniswap and balancer mm -hmm. where you know instead of having these like uh, quite complicated order book markets where you know the only way to really become a professional market maker is is to you know having a pretty advanced setup and it's not something that everything can do mm -hmm. and now you have these liquidity pools you know where you know anyone can go and commit liquidity uh, to them and actually start earning trading fees. So it's really exactly. democratizing the access uh, to liquidity and to providing liquidity. I think I've, these are some of the, the very important things. And that's what I think is a huge leap forward where anyone can kind of participate. You don't have to be, you know, uh, highly leveraged on the uh, on the trading side or even know about the trading. You don't have to lock your assets up uh, in a six, 12 month you know, arrangement. Um, adding yeah. liquidity to a market is what matures a market. Um, and I yep. think having tools like that to be able to sit on both sides of a trade and have it all balanced uh, and earn a recurring income out of it, you know, even if it's a hundred bucks, people can you know participate. I think that's kind of the biggest thing, which is really really important for me, is that participation and making it you know slick and easy uh, and accessible to everybody is kind of the key thing. And I think the more people that learn about this in you know putting something on a MetaMask or a, or, a, or a ledger or as a mobile device uh, and participating in these kind of pools is, is probably the most important thing I think we can all do uh, to bring this kind of space together. And I suppose kind of the key topic here, and I suppose you're, you're you know, very, very ingrained on that on that Ethereum side and that kind of DeFi layer uh, and, and that democratization and, and, and unbiased you know, access, et cetera. Uh, but you do have a bit of a, a Bitcoin background as well. Who do you think is doing the better job for adoption and getting more users into crypto, whether it's professional, retail, uh, who, who's gonna, which ecosystem is doing the better job? 
Mm, I mean, I definitely still think that Bitcoin uh, creates the biggest influx of, of new users into crypto still today. I mean, it's definitely the, by far the biggest one, right? And, mm. uh, however, I, I do believe that uh, with a lot of the developments we've seen in Ethereum recently, I mean, you know, like Ethereum is, is almost getting to the stage now where there's, it's a problem, right? There's simply too many transactions going on mm. in the system for the blockchain actually to be able to handle it in a very efficient way, right? So that 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 is something that is like a little bit of a hindrance right now, I, I would say. But but you know, I definitely think that like with the opportunities that DeFi has really proved itself, you know, over the last six months, right? I mean, there's just so much incredible development happening, and I really believe that you know, going forward in the future, you know, Bitcoin will will be kind of like this like index token where you know, if you want to get exposure to crypto, mm-hmm. but you don't really want to sit and pick and choose, Bitcoin will probably be be a, a good bet to to go for. However, like if, if you were, you know, looking into some of these like more useful applications of, of different things where you want to keep the transparency, right? That is really where the smart contract based systems are, are, you know, just way superior, right? Because like if you want to go in and you want to lend or borrow Bitcoin, I mean, either you need to do it on some side chain where they enable smart contracts where none of them has really been very successful, or you need to go through a centralized platform. And, and you know, for me personally, uh, I, I just I, I I can you know interact uh, you know on a very uh, low level with the centralized platform, but you know I I really believe that these like open and transparent systems, self custodial systems, is some things that you know really really is pushing forward the adoption here. So uh, and then about, you know uh, with that specific instance, you're talking about uh, like something like a wrapped BTC. Uh, uh, I mean, we have also seen like Red BTC becoming, you know, quite a useful product in, in DeFi, right? Uh, I think that we will see a lot of other things coming, you know, from Bitcoin onto Ethereum. You know, we, we definitely see that there's a lot of interest in having Bitcoin on Ethereum. So even though that it's something that, you know, uh, you know, the communities, you know, often, you know, has seen, you know, maybe clashing a little bit. Uh, I still think there's like a lot of common people who, you know, both likes Bitcoin and Ethereum who can see the value of, of, you know, Bitcoin representations being on Ethereum, right? Uh, and something that, you know, Bitcoin has been praised, uh, like a lot of the Bitcoin people has been praising for, for a while is the Lightning Network, for example. You can see that already now, like that Bitcoin is actually quite a bit bigger than, than Lightning Network uh, by, a, uh, by a huge margin, actually. Uh, so, uh, so that's uh, that, that's something that you know uh, definitely shows us like interest in, in having these assets on Ethereum. Well, I think it definitely shows as well ease of use and utility. Um, if Lightning Network has still been taking this long to you know, implement and build, and you know the way that it sort of works versus a smart contract that is you know, written and deployed very quickly, it's already got a large understanding because it's you know, based on Ethereum, uh, and they're just creating a uh, you know an interoperability in order to bring liquidity to the network. If it's easier mm-hmm. and it works, and there's more utility from day one rather than just sending from me to you, uh, I can you know, wrap it, I can leverage it, I can lend against it, I can enroll it, I can use as collateral. It's already got more use cases you know, straight away, which is why it's it's very easy to see why something like these wrapped BTC protocols, and they can be multiple. Which is the other thing. I mean, Lightning yep. Network is one network. A wrap BTC there it can have different kind of flavors and different liquidity pools and different uses, and uh, and that alone, you know, choice is probably the greatest thing I think we can mm-hmm. bring to this kind of space is choice to you know participate how you want. Yeah. And uh, how is um, how is uh, Maker going to be working alongside the ETH two upgrade that's coming along in a few months? Uh, so, sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, uh, I just lost you for half a second. Uh, Maker and uh, ETH two in the next couple of months. 
like well yeah so i mean i'm not quite i'm not sure when e 2.0 will be coming to be honest Uh, we we hope sooner rather than later because as i also referenced earlier you know we have been seeing like very very high gas prices and Mm. unfortunately actually makes uh, you know some transactions unfeasible uh, the same way that you know bitcoin has been having like quite high uh, gas prices for a while right i mean it really you know makes it so like smaller transactions uh, you know, really isn't very feasible at the moment. And, and you know, for, for us at Mega, you know, for example, one of our biggest markets is actually Argentina, where we have, you know, we have a, a very, very big pool of users. We have a lot of peer-to-peer uh, underground markets. And, you know, we we have even seen that, you know, we, we have been beating Bitcoin in the peer-to-peer public markets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see that as this big demand there, but the problem is that, you know, like the transactions that people are doing are quite small, right? They, they send five to 10 bucks. So it's going to cost you one or two dollars to send you to send five or 10 mm-hmm. bucks. It's really not feasible to do it, yeah. right? So so right now, you know, like if you just take it from like the the kind of like the end user standpoint, you know, like ETH 2.0 will be like an incredible upgrade that will really enable us to go in and really, really capture and push these use cases even more. Um, so, you know, I think everyone is just very excited for it. Uh, I think in the meantime, you know, we're taking a, a look at, at some of these like layer two scaling solutions. Uh, you know, I think, for example, one one that's worth mentioning is, is Loopring. You know, Loopring has been really making, you know, some very, very great progress. Uh, and with the launch of Loopring Pay, uh, they are really, you know, pushed, uh, I think, personally, uh, you know, a, a product which, you know, might be able to solve these things in the interim. Very cool indeed, and I suppose that's uh, I suppose a, a decent point at which you can end the point of podcast today. I mean, what you guys are doing down at Maker and with Dai, how you've you know been the start of that ecosystem, which I think is a really really you know uh, a cool thing to be a part of. Uh, seeing that develop over the last kind of few years and and where you know we all hope it's going to go, um, you know, is is part of an incredible journey. So thank you very much for sharing that with us, Gustav. Of course, and uh, if any of our, any people watching that you know, may want to be a guest on the podcast of the future uh you can drop us a tweet at uh, at coinpass uh, global or an email podcast uh coinpass.com uh good stuff and, and make it out how do people get in touch with you uh so you can go to my twitter uh, it's g and then Arentoft uh at g Arentoft, or you can uh, add me on linkedin which is just my name gustav Arentoft, and the same with telegram so feel free to shoot me a message if you have any questions or, or you want to get in touch with the project somehow that's awesome. And uh, yeah, one last time, I thank you for coming on the podcast today. I uh, wish everyone to have a safe week and goodbye. Thank you for having me, Jeff.